Hey, welcome back to Horror Huns. My name is Meg. I am one of your hosts. Here with my bestie. Eh, that's me. I'm the bestie. And I'm your other host. I'm excited for this episode today. Me too. It's going to be a very feminism positivity episode. Hell yeah. You know, going to be bitching about some things, but mainly just gushing about how good our topic is today. But we do have our new segment to go through first. So yes. Did you want to sh- um go through the new segments you had? Because I've got a few here. Yeah, so I have two. Um, I don't know if they would be on your radar, but I sent you the trailer for my best friend's exorcism. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> Me too. I it only it literally was last week when we found out that there was gonna be this adaptation. And they've already filmed it. There's a release date. It's gonna be the 30th of September, right? Mm-hmm. And we've had our first trailer for it. Now, I hope the trailer hasn't given away too much stuff. But if you've read the book, then, you know. I don't think it has. Um, I mean, like, it's pretty much on point from what the book is. So I'm super excited about that. And it it is like everything that I visualized so far in the book f- just from the trailer. So I'm super pumped about it. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. Me too. Me. What did you think about it? Do you think it looked good? It looks so fun and so exciting. I am ready for it. Obviously, now I know the release date, so I can either read the book or buy an audiobook of my best friend's exorcism, so I can get that bish bash bosh done out of the way before the series comes out. And so we're prepared for when it's released and we can record an episode. Ooh, yeah. So I have another bit of horror news that um, I am very upset about and sad and angry, and I have a lot of emotions about it. And we've briefly touched on this, about the Salem's Lot remake being pushed back Mm. to April, because it was supposed to be released this fall, and um, it has been tabled by Warner Brothers. So... Listen... What have I been saying for the past month about Warner Brothers? No, literally, though. So if you don't know, I have been saying for the past month that there is something going on at Warner Brothers that we do not know, and I don't think it's good. I think something seriously bad is going to happen to a lot of their projects. And it started with a lot of their DC projects. It's now gone into their animation projects, and it's now affecting some of their horror projects so i think there's going to be more stuff to be tabled more stuff to be cancelled by warner brothers i know they've recently had the acquisition between discovery and themselves but i don't know something bad's happening and stop don't tell me that because it's like literally perfect like come on we're gonna have a theatrical salem's lot and it's just like fuck man like that bums me out it's been tabled and that's normally not a good sign. <laughs> I think it's gonna be cancelled. Don't tell me this. Like, I'm so depressed now. I've just got bad feeling about anything that Warner Brothers said they're gonna release. But that's just me. I'm a cynic. 
Well, I'm an optimist, so we're just going to think that it maybe it's just going to be released later next year and it's going to be amazing because they're going to have so much time to like actually work with the film. Maybe? Possibly? I don't know. Sure, let's go with that for now. <laughs> wow, thank you, V. <laughs> well, speaking of cancellations, it was announced earlier today when we were recording this on the 27th of August that the Resident Evil Netflix series has been cancelled after one series and they have not said why. People have suggested it could be low viewership in the top 10, but I don't know. As someone who was really excited for this series, um, because I think that Resident Evil is a pretty cool um, story, I watched one episode and I was like, oof, oof. Like, the writing was not that great. Like, I legit cringed on several spots in the first episode, and I just could never, like, I never wanted to pick it back up because I was just like, I feel like it's not as cool as it seemed like it would be which is a big bummer yeah so my issue with a lot of the resident evil films and the tv show is they try so hard to deviate from the games like the characters in the game and then like you know hint at their existence in the world and not actually show them until like with the resident evil films like one of the last fucking films. I think they need to just do a proper Resident Evil adaptation of one of the games. Don't try and make a new story because that's not what people want. People want to see their favourite characters like Leon on the big screen properly portrayed. Not like the recent film we've had. We want proper accurate representation of the characters that are in the game. So that's why the Silent Hill films are such cult classics because they are very true and very close to the games. Whereas the Resident Evil films and TV show, they're just trying to reinvent the wheel for the Resident Evil franchise. And that's not what people want. As someone who's only watched the movies and I've never played the game, I just felt like, man, I felt like it was a missed opportunity and I know that we'll definitely cover Resident Evil one day and we can do like a proper deep dive but I just felt like it was like I said cringy so yeah which is disappointing because I thought that the effects were super cool like the look of it was awesome but just like you know me and stories and dialogue like yeah it was a miss maybe get some better writers but it's been cancelled so we're never gonna know if any of the video game characters will appear moving on to a bit of exciting news for me (laughs) so about a decade ago it was announced that um, universal were gonna make a bioshock movie bioshock is one of my favorite game franchises Uh, i just love it so much but after I think them building sets had the script written, spent about $61 million, it just Holy got crap. scrapped. But exciting news for my Bioshock lovers out there. It has been picked up and is back on track with Netflix. So what's Bioshock about? Because no head empty, no thoughts up here about it. <laughs> Let me get you description for what Bioshock is, because I want to do it justice. Okay, I'm ready for it. 
So they say it's a few. It's called a retro um, futuristic video game series. So this is from Steam. This is what Steam describes it as. Bioshock is a shooter unlike any you've ever played. Loaded with weapons and tactics never seen. You have to complete. Um, you have a complete arsenal at your disposal with simple revolvers and uh, to grenade launchers and chemical throwers. But you also are forced to genetically modify your DNA to create even more deadly weapon. Basically, it is. How do I describe it without um, ruining the story? You can ruin it for me. By the time it comes out, I will more than likely forgot this whole conversation. <laughs> so there are three games in the main series. The first one, you basically play as a gentleman that gets this note. Well, no, was it the first one? Or am I thinking of the internet? Anyway, the, this madman builds a city underwater and you go around and people, in this future, you can um, chemically modify yourself with splices and you can basically shoot electricity out of you, fire, that sort of thing. Um, city gets abandoned for another place and you basically have to go around and this gentleman is saying to you, would you like kindly do me these favours? Not realising that. Would you kindly is the trigger for your main character to get controlled? Interesting. So you go around and there's these, there's still people about called splicers who have got addicted to splice. So they can sense that you've got splice on you, that sort of thing. So they try and kill you for your splice. <laughs> so you have to kill them. There's little sisters and big daddies. Big daddies I don't like that term. These... <laughs> it's what they're called in the game. So. Big daddies protect the little sisters. Little sisters are actual little girls that have been genetically modified. And if you you can save the little sisters so you can set them free and they'll be absolutely fine. Or you can uh, basically uh, take their life force for the splice they have in them. Oh my god. This is like making my head hurt, yeah. dude. Sounds interesting. I'm yeah. sure we will talk about it when it um comes out. But wow. Well, that's that's a plus for you yeah. guys, Netflix. So hopefully it does you justice, unlike the Resident Evil fans. I I hope so, because it is such a good story in the games. So if they can just stick to that, that would be fantastic. <laughs> Fingers crossed for you. Yeah. Fingers crossed. So another bit of news is the Nun 2 will be hitting cinemas in Halloween 2023. Um, why we need another sequel to The Nun, I don't know. I don't know, know but because The Nun was so are. bad, dude. Like I enjoy the Conjuring universe for the most part, but The Nun sucked. Like It was horrible. There was, there was something so off about The Nun. So off. I did not enjoy it whatsoever. And that is how I feel about a lot of James Wan. A lot of his cinematic universes, like with Malignant, I'm just like, do we need to revisit this? Like, it just feels like he will not stop. It's just 
a money grab for me for most of his stuff and it's just like it truly is it really truly is i felt like the nun didn't even have like that great of a release like i don't think that really anybody enjoyed it so it's just like damn we're doing this again why why do they why like i'm not even gonna (laughs) lie to you most of the time it i will say like oh, even though I'm not, like, super stoked on it, I'll probably watch it just for, like, the sake of watching it. But I literally don't even think that I would watch this movie. I'm absolutely going to be a hard pass. (laughs) I'm a hard pass currently in all of the Conjuring films, to be honest. Yeah, It's just gone on too long, and we don't need a sequel to The Nun, okay? And I felt like the Annabelle movie should have been a standalone. Like, they should just have done a standalone Annabelle and a standalone nun movie and just left it at that. You know what I'm saying? But, mm-hmm. of course, I i don't know if it was a fever dream or, like, what I had, I was on or something, but didn't I see that they were potentially going to do a Crooked Man movie? Yes, they, they announced that ages ago. And the fact that we're getting a nun too before the Crooked Man. Which is the, so hilarious. Which the crooked man is actually like pretty fucking scary. So like I would, I would watch. Yeah, that, same. To be honest, I would watch the crooked man. But we haven't heard anything more about it. I don't think. <laughs> and the fact that we're too is hilarious. I guess we'll just. I don't know, but if if somebody in James Wan's team is listening to this by an off chance, <laughs> please stop him. Please, just say... Just let the Conjuring series die just, now, to be honest. Just stop throwing money it at die, it, sir. We've it had die. enough. <laughs> let it die. Let it die. <laughs> um, okay, so the last bit of news I have, because you mentioned about my best friend's ex is we got a teaser and release date for Hulu's Hellraiser. Oh yeah, it looks good. I'm very excited. So October 7th is when it will get released on Hulu, which probably means it will get released on Disney Plus in the UK because that's what happens. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why, but that's just how it is in the UK. Hulu stuff gets released on Disney Plus in the UK. Well, for your sake, I hope that it comes out the same day and time. It normally does. Good. You know, they're normally quite good because Fresh was, you know, released on Hulu for you guys, but released on Disney Plus for us, and it was the exact same day. Well, that's good. So, um, and this isn't horror related, but I'm just mentioning it anyway because Alice is very excited and she wants me to watch this program. Um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan has been announced to join the boys series. Um, Val and I are like at the end of season one. V, you would love the boys. It's like <laughs> everyone keeps telling me. I know I will. I'm just not started. It's not horror, but there are like <laughs> some pretty intense, like brutal, violent scenes cool. and gore. So yeah, it's pretty sweet. Um, and Jack Quaid is in it. So mm-hmm. um, which I really enjoy him in the boys. So yeah, that's I. Obviously, I don't know the entirety of the storyline since I'm only on season one, but um, it's really good. Yeah, I'm just, I just love Jeffrey Dean Morgan, to be honest, so I'm excited. He's definitely going to push me to make me watch it now. <laughs> All right, fair enough. <laughs> so, as you can see, 
from our title, we are talking about one of my personal favourite films and probably one of Meg's favourite films as well. The more she thinks about it, the more she's like, shit, this film's fucking yeah, good. Yeah, <laughs> no, for real though. So this week we're going to be talking about Jennifer's Body. I'm excited because I know you really, really like this movie and I've seen this movie a few different times. Um, But yeah, when you like go and think back on it, you're like, damn, that movie was really good. Yeah, it was so, oh, uh, so good. So, so and good. I would like to credit that to it being a Diablo Cody movie because I don't know if you know this about me, but one of my favorite non-horror movies is Juno. Like, I love that movie oh, so, so much. Me too. Elliot did such a good oh, job in my that role. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Yep. I cry every time. But um me too. Diablo Cody wrote this like hot off of the tales of her Oscar win for Juno and I feel like she is such an underappreciated writer. Mhm. 100%. And this film was very underrated as it's become a cult classic these days. Um due to it being quite a flop in the cinemas when it was released in 2009 but we will circle back as to why that is because that's going to be a long fucking conversation <laughs> and we're gonna leave the anger and the ranting to the end because baby we've got thoughts we've got feelings absolutely like there's a lot about this movie um to talk about but um mm-hmm. i think the director's name is karen kuzuma she did not have a lengthy um, directing career before Jennifer's Body, but um, V, did you know that she directed the first episode of Yellow Jackets? I did not. There you go. There's a fun fact for you. Hey, woman power. What can we Girl say? Girl power. <laughs> I'm just very excited for Yellow Jackets to come back, but let's not, <laughs> let me not go off on tangent there. Okay. So this is going to be a basic overview of the plot I'm gonna give so if there are some bits of the plot I've missed out watch the fucking film okay just watch it (laughs) okay the film basically starts with a flash forward scene but we're gonna come back to that flash forward when we get to that part so the film basically starts with Jennifer Megan Fox's character who convinces her best friend Needy Amanda Seyfried, to go see this indie band play in their town. While they're at the bar, Needy overhears the lead singer talk to um, some of his bandmates, saying that Jennifer is the one and that she's a virgin. Girls like that, you know, go around putting it out there, but they never actually put out. Sounds like a typical man conversation. If you I was say. about to say, like, that whole scene was just... So good because I feel like you were really able to see multiple different perspectives on the male gaze, especially mm-hmm. um, toward Jennifer. But <laughs> recently I saw a TikTok and you know the audio where they're like, and all of a sudden I hear this agitating, grating voice. And um, it was that audio with the scene <laughs> where Crip. Chris Pratt is in the bar for the band. Yeah. And I've 
I die. Because <laughs> you forget that he was in this movie. <laughs> it's, it's so weird. It's so weird. But he is good at playing a creepy man. Anyway, so she overhears this conversation, but does she say anything to Jennifer? No, she doesn't. She just makes a slight little comment going, what, they think you're a virgin? And that's it. Yeah, this I feel like is like where you can kind of see that, yes, Jennifer and Needy are best friends, but they have a very toxic friendship. Hundred <laughs> It is not a good friendship, as we will find out throughout the film. So, the band starts playing, and mysteriously, the bar catches fire. Mysteriously. Most people escape, some don't, but Needy and Jennifer do. As they escape, Jennifer is sat on a curve, just blank face, like, completely, like, zoned out. And Needy's like, come on, let's, let, you okay? Let's go, let's go. Lead singer of the band finds them, and it's like... Hey, why don't you come into our mysteriously creepy white van and just, you know, see our little little thingies? And Needy's like, mm, no thanks, Jennifer, let's go get food. Let's, you know, let's just go get nachos sort of thing. And Jennifer's like, don't be such a bitch. I'm going to go with these bands because the lead singer, quote unquote, is mega salty. Mm. I still don't know what that means. Um, I'm not sure either. And also, um, <laughs> rewatching this movie, I'm like, why were we also, though, Jennifer? Because me and you are both obsessed with bands. And the scary part is, a lot of the bands that we listen to, unfortunately, did shit like this. Yep. This movie just goes to show you so many little points about being a young teenage girl who's a fan of a band that are just all males but it's just like all of the the subtle points about like unfortunately you know the tagline is like hell is a teenage girl um is unfortunately very true mm-hmm. it really is it really is so if you also don't know there are two cuts of this film we've got the theatrical cut which has the line hell is a teenage girl and then we've got the quote-unquote unrated cut which only adds an extra five minutes onto the film but there are some lines in the dialogue that are only heard in the theatrical release interesting so and hell is a teenage girl is one of them so hmm that's super interesting because, like, I feel like that could, that line could be interpreted in so many different ways throughout this movie. So it's interesting that it didn't make the unrated cut. While I'm on that topic, so the theatrical cut of the film is definitely more focused on Jennifer, hmm. but the unrated cut is actually more focused on Needy and her point of view of everything's going on. Yeah, I wonder why. Um, with the scene where the bar um, catches fire, uh, in the unrated cut, we actually see Needy look up and follow the fire and see when it actually begins to see the bar set fire. But in the theatrical scene, it's not there. You just are focused on Jennifer, who's focused on the band. So it's quite interesting um, to see a comparison of both the cuts. That is pretty cool. 
I think most of my 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 notes are from the theatrical cut. So. That's perfectly fine. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> okay, so cut to Needy back at home talking to her boyfriend Chip. <laughs> Chip, Chip, yeah. Chip, Chip, Chippity Chip. Weird name, by the way. <laughs> uh, maybe it's short for Christopher. I don't know. Do we actually know his full name? We just know him as Chip. Let me Google. I think we just know him as Chip. Yeah, just Chip Dove. That's an even weirder name. Interesting. Anyway. Then all of a sudden, Needy finds Jennifer covered in blood in her kitchen. And Jennifer just stares at her and gives her this really fucking weird smile. Yeah. We see Jennifer raid Needy's fridge for some chicken and she's eating it like she's a ravenous animal. Then she goes. She disappears. And just leaves Needy going, what the fuck was that? <laughs> the next day at school, Needy is just there staring at space at school without her glasses on and going, what happened? What happened there? We hear Jennifer's voice fade in and she looks completely fine. I think she looks better than she did before, to be honest. Yeah. She's glowing. Her hair it's is It's like she just had like a hair wash day it plus is. a leg shave day plus an exfoliator day plus a mm. face mask day. Like she, she, it, she came in like, yeah, I fucking own this school. Okay. Like she knows that she's a shit. Mm hmm. And she really is. <laughs> so, one month later, Jennifer starts to look not so good. And she even makes a comment like, ugh, I keep breaking out. My skin is so dull. What, my hair is so dull. And she's like, oh my God. I look like a normal person. <laughs> what a bitch. <laughs> As she says, it's a fucking needy. Who looks like that. Which, yeah, and, like, there is definitely two female character types here with Needy. Obviously, you just, like, hear it in the name. Like, she is kind of, like, this book smart, kind of almost nerdy, but, like, quiet and reserved. And then you get Jennifer, who is the complete opposite, which it always kind of makes me giggle because you also see that in My Best Friend's Exorcism, where it's just, like... Would these two people really be best friends, though? Well, as we've seen from that internet meme of, like, the bimbo walking down to be a brunette <laughs> holding books, people have just decided that, no, no, they're two different people and they're best friends or girlfriends. That's it. <laughs> Which is interesting because um, I was reading that, like, this te- technically could kind of be, like, interpreted Diablo Cody is not really her name i think her first name is brooke and she realized that she started to become like a different person when she took on the pen name of diablo like she started acting differently and um just like being a whole different version of herself so in a way this could kind of be interpreted as her writing from her two different perspectives of kind of being like that nerdy quiet shy girl to becoming Diablo, this bad bitch who wins Oscars for her stuff. Very good stuff. Very, very good very stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Needy and Jennifer start working through the school hallway, and Colin sees Jennifer <laughs> looking like this and thinks, oh, I've definitely got a shot now because she looks like that. Jesus. So he goes up and tries to kind of ask her out, and she's like, Are you asking me out? And he's like, oh, what? No, me? No, what? Wait. No, maybe. 
Is this the scene where he's like, do you want to go see Rocky Horror Picture Show? And she's like, I don't like boxing movies because that line is is. iconic. (laughs) (laughs) So she says yes to going out on a quote unquote date with him. She texts him an address, but later that night we find out it's a building site and Jennifer is like, do you want to play mommy and daddy? Ew. I'm so uncomfortable by that. (laughs) Me too. But he's like, sure. So they start getting into it. Jennifer gets into it a bit more and she ends up killing slash eating Colin. Which that was kind of like a shocker when you first see it. And I feel like it's super, super eerie when they do like the, the tarp. And you can, like, see her mouth, like, eating through mm. with that light shining through. I always think that those um, shots are super fun. Yes, 100%. 100%. It's interesting because normally those kinds of scenes, when you see, like, the silhouette of the woman, um, obviously when she swims through the lake and she goes up to the ladder and you think, oh, we're going to see something there. It kind of is an anti-male gaze because normally with the male gaze sort of scenes you see something but with this it just is like uh no nah, you thought no you're not gonna see anything <laughs> of this bitch. yeah i think while this is going on we see needy and she gets this some sort of weird vision and she's like mm, something's not right here so she gets in her car and starts driving around to try and figure out what the fuck is going on with the this vision she's having and she as she's driving she comes across jennifer in the middle of the road covered in blood she swerves and then doesn't see jennifer so she heads home and tries to i think sort some like try and like figure out in her brain what exactly is going on she's like wtf yeah yeah like what the needy gets into bed and boom jennifer's in her bed as well needy's obviously very like what the Fuck, bitch. Like, what's wrong with you? And this is where we find out what has happened to Jennifer. When Jennifer gets in the van, they take her to this little weird, you know, opening, and the band tries to sacrifice her to the devil so they could be famous, (laughs) thinking that she was a virgin so it'd fully work and she'd just be dead. Not quite. Jennifer's Jennifer's been around the block in the nicest way possible. Like, good for you, girl. Good for you. And it's only half work. So the band obviously got famous, but also it turned Jennifer into a beautiful, lovely succubus. Yeah. Like, when she was explaining all of that to Needy, like, that was a super intense scene when they were sacrificing her. Like, I felt like her emotions really came out and... I was reading that she she was trying to figure out how to like play that and a lot of people mm. like can interpret that scene as like sexual assault as well and like what a person goes through um when that happens and like the after effects but um Megan Fox kind of thought about it as like all of these studios are trying to sell her body like literally 
her body and her not consenting to like Michael yeah, Bay like what's going on here so uh re-watching that scene like knowing that in the back of your mind it it's a really powerful scene because you f- truly feel like she's screaming for help and obviously everybody knows yeah. how Hollywood treated Megan Fox so yeah it's a very very sad because she's she's actually quite a good actress yeah and all they saw was oh she's pretty that's it not her skills nothing she's like "Mm, she's pretty let's cast her in these you know typical popular hot girl sort of thing and i think jennifer's body gave her the chance to really show what she's no seriously yeah so flash forward to the dance this is obviously after needy's told her boyfriend chip "Eh, no sorry we're not gonna go to the dance and breaks up with him yeah so she's like you best not go to the dance. I'm a guy, but we're we're done here. Yeah, because like basically, she knows that Jennifer is gonna go crazy. Like Needy does not does not support Jennifer in this at all. Which like, also, are you her BFF? Because like, I know that she's like killing people, but I felt like there was never really a concern for Jennifer. It was more for her victims, which I get that too. But like, if you told me hey, this band, like, tried to sacrifice me to the devil so they became popular. Like, yes, okay, I do see, like, where she went and studied demonic transference. But, like, I'd be like, hey, bitch, I'm gonna get you help. Yeah, she she doesn't act like a best friend at no. all. And that's definitely very telling for their friendship. Like, as we hear from, I think, Needy, is that jennifer always wants to ruin everything good needy has so like why be friends with her because it's her only friend Mm. (laughs) um so there's no trust in the friendship no and we learn this very on early on in the film as well so needy goes to the dance to keep an eye on jennifer and obviously the fucking indie rock band is there playing at the dance of course because why wouldn't they of course um why wouldn't they uh, but Jennifer is not inside the dance. She is outside talking to Chip. <laughs> and be like, yeah, you know this guy? What, Colin? She did stuff with Colin. Like, they were just like, ooh, crazy doing it. <laughs> and <laughs> Jennifer kisses Chip and then takes him into the um, old pool house. Yeah. Then Needy gets another one of her visions like she's fucking Raven Simone. <laughs> oh, no, Raven Baxter, sorry. From that, so Raven. Like, <gasps> so she finds where they are and walks in on Jennifer taking a lovely big chunk out of Chip's neck. Yeah, wow. You know, jumps in, gets her off him, and we get another famous, inf- we get another infamous line in this scene i think it's like you're killing people no killing boys boys. and isn't this when she says i go both ways we love the bi representation in this film (laughs) yeah because they're both definitely queer coded i mean we didn't touch Mm -hmm. on it but like the kiss scene like Mm -hmm. geez this movie definitely has so many subtle intricacies to it and it's just so good Mm -hmm. yes 
the bi representation, especially in females, is very needed. So the <laughs> another one of my favourite scenes in this part is Jennifer starts like <laughs> floating and Chip goes, she can fly. <laughs> and <laughs> Needy's like, no, she's just levitating. It's not that impressive. <laughs> like, how big? Because like, there is like this underlying jealousy between the two. Like, I think that Jennifer wants what Needy has in the fact that nobody assumes things about her because of the way that she looks. And Needy kind of wants that. So they both want what the other has. So there's always going to be like that type of energy between them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not a very good friendship. No. No. Um, so there's a little bit of a back and forth and chip stabs jennifer and she runs away and then good old chip chip dies he did (laughs) and then this is where we see the opening scene where needy is staring through jennifer's window yeah she breaks in they have a little bit of a conversation and needy stabs jennifer through the heart and it's actually quite a sad scene I think that was yeah because she's like damn like I really have to do this like it's really coming down to this and uh doesn't Jennifer's mom walk in yeah she does and Needy's like oh shit so Needy gets locked away for the murder of Jennifer then we see Needy had been bitten by Jennifer and their little duel Mm-hmm. And she gives us a little voiceover saying, if you get by bitten by one of these demonic possessions, sometimes the power gets transferred over and it hints that some of the power has been transferred over to Needy. So she breaks out. She finds the indie rock band and kills them to venge Jennifer. Fuck yeah. I like that they didn't end it with her just in an asylum. Like, I like that we got this, like, story really wrapped up. And I think that she needy, I don't want to say needed that, but, like, she needed some form of closure. Yeah. For not only herself, but for Jennifer. So I'm glad that we kind of saw it come full circle, especially Mm -hmm. for those pieces of shit. Yeah, 100%. And I know we've we've said all throughout this episode, like, mm, it's not a very good friendship. It's not a very toxic friendship. But there was definitely love between the two of them. Absolutely. Like, especially when you have, when you have lifelong friends like that, there are going to be points in your friendship that are 100% rock solid. Um, So we may have just been seeing, like, a little point in their relationship that wasn't what it should be. But that doesn't mean, like you said, that they don't have love for each other. Like, these girls have known each other for a really long time. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, that is the end of the film. Like we said, it ended very well. And can we just give, like, a little applause for the soundtrack as well for this film? Oh, my God. I have it written down, too. Like, I still bop to New Perspective Me by too. Panic at the Disco. I don't even like Panic, but... That song goes so hard, but yeah, this soundtrack was so good. Mm-hmm. I think definitely 2000 films definitely embraced rock bands and that sort yeah. of genre. And, you know, it's missing a lot of these days because these bands can actually produce some bops like 
Hello, decoded by Paramore. Oh my god. Hello? Oh my god. Stop it. <laughs> so, so good. I really like, like I said, go- looking back at it, like I realize how strong of a film this is. I know that I have said it a lot, but it has an interesting storyline that has a lot of subtext to it, but it's not overly drudged down by like a super complicated story. It has darkness to it, but also has that like fun feeling of a high school drama comedy. Mm -hmm. It's just a good film all around. And it really depresses me how horribly it was marketed and how bad it did at box office because it wasn't marketed toward the correct audience. No, it was marketed towards males. And yes, males can enjoy this film, but it should have been marketed more towards females. Yeah. Apparently, Megan Fox's films do better with female audiences, but she keeps being like, she kept being marketed toward men. And apparently, when they were asking the marketing team, what do you, how do you intend on marketing this film? They said three words. Megan Fox hot. And it's just like, that is so depressing. And it it made this film not be seen by the correct audience, which is hella, hella depressing. And Mm -hmm. apparently they told the director, they were like, I think we're going to suggest that um, Fox go on porn websites to advertise this, to talk to people, to like get more people interested and she was like don't even mention that to her because like that would be super upsetting for her it's like this film is so much deeper than that also why this film has nothing to do with that like yeah we get some scenes that suggests that there could be some intimacy going on but at the core of it it is a high school film where a girl gets basically tries to get murdered by a band and that ain't sexy no d- demonic transference is not sexy <laughs> no no i mean megan fox makes it look good but i think it's also because the script was good yeah the script was super good and um yeah like she is such a talented actress apparently this role almost went to blake lively um, but she couldn't do it because of Gossip Girl. And I'm like, I honestly feel like this film would be totally different if it was with Blake Lively. It would have been marketed differently as well. Absolutely. And do you want to know something that made me feel very ick? Yeah, go on. One of the trailers that was intended to be released over 50% of it was the kiss. Trailers, like, think about it. That's like a, a minute plus of one scene in the movie just to get men to watch it. It is infuriating. It really is. And this is why men fetishize bisexual women. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Mm. It's gross. Yeah. But I have one more gross thing. Come on. 
Okay, so I don't know how you research for our episodes, but I like to creep around on the internet and I'll go to like multiple different sites to like look at the topics that we're going to be talking about. And occasionally I'll watch some YouTube videos, you know, and um, I watched a review video from September 2009. So directly after this film came out from IGN. And what I'm about to tell you is verbatim, word for word, in the first 20 seconds they say, I am going to keep the premise of this one pretty simple. It's basically a horror comedy film about two really hot high school girls. And then they go on to talk about Megan Fox's schwing factor. And they gave the film a 2.5 star review. And they only gave it 2.5 stars because of the two hot girls and the sometimes witty one-liners that it had. I was watching this with Val, and Val immediately looked over as soon as he said, it's a horror comedy about two really hot high school girls, because, like, what the actual fuck? Wait, was it a male? It was two men. Of course. (laughs) Of course. Why does that? Ew! Like, that's all you got from the movie was that it was about two hot girls like this movie is about friendship and jealousy and assault and like so many other things and that's all you took from it yeah like also just saying hot high school girls yeah is really like red flag like yes megan fox is conventionally attractive and she is supposed to be the attractive one out of the friendship but also Needy isn't supposed to be quote-unquote hot. She's supposed to be the average-looking best friend. Yeah, I just... Did they watch the same film we did? I know, it's like, it got such bad reviews back then when it first came out, and, like, now on the internet, like, holy god, like, Jennifer's body is, like, on this pedestal that's like, ha-hee-ha-hee, like... Everyone knows that this movie is the shit. It that review kind of reminds me of a um something I saw on TikTok recently about someone reviewing bodies, bodies, bodies. Interesting. Have you seen that? I have not. I haven't seen bodies, 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 and I, I still have not seen anybody talk about it on my timeline. So <laughs> the only thing I've seen is basically this reviewer. I don't know where they reviewed it, but they worked for a published like a big pub, like website publication basically there's a segment in their review where they said this is basically a big advert for cleavage and charlie xcx and w- one of the main actresses dm'd the writer and was like hey glad you enjoyed the film uh, maybe you would have enjoyed it more if you weren't staring at our cleavage for the whole time Yeah, it's just, like, also people who are super attractive, it's, like, they're more than that. Like, Mm -hmm. they're talented. I've seen quite a few reviews for Buddies, 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 and everyone has said it's quite good. Like, they really enjoyed it. And it was only this one reviewer which objectified pretty much all the female cars. And it's like, yeah, it's an advertisement for Cleavage and Charlie XCX. And Charlie XCX actually responded, and she was like, Thank you. I guess. <laughs> Thanks. 
<laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you. But when you've got such a strong female cast, reviewers need to stop objectifying the actresses. Like, we just need to yes. stop objectifying people in general. Yeah. Like, just because they may be playing a certain type of character, don't let that overshadow what is actually going on in the story in the film. Yeah. Like, actually watch the fucking film and not paying attention to how attractive or how much cleavage, boob, or whatever you can see. Like, if someone said that about X... Oh, yeah. Honey, I would throw punches because, (laughs) yes, it's a film about porn, but it's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. Yeah, it... (laughs) It is frustrating, and, like, Megan Fox and Amanda Seyfried have both gone on to say that, like, at separate instances, that Jennifer's Body is still their favorite movie that they've ever done. Like, this movie gives you so many, so many good one-liners. It has a banger of a soundtrack. The imagery, like, the cinematography is great. Like, the I Am A God scene, that scene is so good there is so many things about jennifer's body to love it makes me upset that when it came out it didn't get the love that it deserved no but it gets the love it deserves now and that's why we have cult classic films is because one it doesn't get marketed correctly two people need to take a bit of time to actually appreciate what was right in front of them and three it's just fucking good films, man. Like, it doesn't matter <laughs> if it's a bad-looking film with very cringy script, like maybe Killer Crowns from Outer Space. That's a cult classic. It yeah. was a cult classic. Jennifer's Body is a cult classic. Gremlins was a cult classic. Like, there's so many good films that weren't appreciated when they first came out to now having a wider audience that loves and appreciates them. And... The more people talk about it, the more people will discover it. And hopefully some listeners out there who may not have seen Jennifer's Body might actually go, you know what? I might actually give that a watch now. Yeah, definitely. So if you haven't seen Jennifer's Body, definitely watch it. It's so good. But I don't feel like... I I feel like most horror lovers that are around our age have seen it and understand how good of a movie it is. And how underappreciated it was. So that makes me happy. It makes me happy too. So do you want some trivia before we sign off? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I love fun facts. So. <clears throat> Make sure your, your vocal cords are still working. A little. Um, <laughs> so to prepare for the role of a possessed living dead teenager, Megan Fox lost around 15 lbs bringing her weight down to a near frail 97 lbs and stayed out of the sun for four months to keep her skin pale i read that she got down to 97 pounds and that is very upsetting that like she did that to herself horrible but like it worked it did it did just hope that she was safe about it The movie's title is from the song Jennifer's Body by Courtney Love's band. Oh. Yep. And Courtney Love has gone on to basically shit on the movie. 
because like they didn't credit it or anything and it's just like fuck you courtney love no i really like she courtney love but anyway uh <laughs> hershey's chocolate syrup was used for jennifer's black vomit scene along with the use of cgi animation isn't that when she like eats all the raw chicken and then she like vomits my dogs have done that before. They have eaten raw chicken and then, like, projectile vomited. So that was very on point. Yeah, maybe don't eat raw chicken. Maybe don't. That's bad for <laughs> you. Mm. Uh, Emma Stone was considered for the role of Needy. I saw that also Brie Larson auditioned for that role. And like I said with um, Megan Fox and Blake Lively, like, that would be a whole different movie. Like an mm-hmm. entirely different movie because they both played their characters so well. It really did. It really did. For the scene where Jennifer is swimming naked in the lake, Megan Fox wore a flesh colored bikini. Hmm. And that is on what? Respecting your actresses and not making them do nudity when they don't have to. Amen. So, this is not related to Jennifer's body, but. Amanda Seyfried auditioned for the role of Michaela Barnes in Transformers 2007. The role went to Seyfried's co-star, Megan Fox. (laughs) That's funny. That is. Uh... The band's name in the film was originally Soft Shoulder before being changed to Low Shoulder. Hmm. Either way, that name is super funny to me, so... (laughs) It is. The last one is on Rotten Tomatoes, the movie received an approval rating of 45% based on 210 reviews with an average rating of 2.3 out of 10. The website's critical consensus reads, Jennifer's body features occasionally clever dialogue, but the horror slash comic premise fails to either, either be funny or scary enough to suffice. You know, in my heart of hearts, I know that if Jennifer Check had read that, she would probably eat them. So, you know, it's fine. It's whatever. I bet you most of those reviewers were male. That's what I'm saying. Jennifer would have taken care of them. Yeah. She really fucking would. Well, I am so glad that we covered this movie. I know that you really enjoy it. And thank you for reigniting my love for it. No problem. It is just such a good film and when people see it from you know face level it is really one of those films that you shouldn't judge a book by its cover absolutely so if you love jennifer's body as much as v and i you can give us a little shout out on twitter let us know what you think our twitter is at horror huns pod and our instagram is at horror huns podcast so if you enjoy this movie and think that it is a cult classic let us know and if you have a cult classic that we have never talked about or mentioned shoot us a message we'd love to hear um what you would like us to cover next yes please do we're always open for suggestions and conversations v do you have any final thoughts for today's episode big up feminism um (laughs) it rocks um stop objectifying people and pearl comes out in a couple weeks stop i'm gonna throw up but also my (laughs) final thought for today's episode is megan fox i'm sorry for 
how Hollywood treated you, girl. Love you. Yeah. Love you, Megan Fox. Yeah. Love ya. <laughs> Thank you.